All right, everybody, Bo Sawyer here, so come on in, grab a pitchfork, light a torch, let's go do some hunting and bumping. Today, I'm going to be sitting here with my old good buddy, Jason Tiller, and uh, this is going to be episode six, actually. I should get all my ducks in a row, but uh, don't forget, you can check out the Midwest Monster Hunters on Facebook or the Book of Faces, which way you want to put it, I don't care. Just go check it out. It's some good stuff over there. Uh, take it, You can check out the YouTube channel, also under the Midwest Monster Hunters, and if you want to help support me because I'm a broke ass, you can go to brainbustertees.com. You can check out and search Bo Sawyer. You can find all my cool merch. There's some Monster Hunter logos. There's the grandson of a bear stuff. You can see my face and, you know, just support me. That would be awesome. So I'm sitting here today with my buddy Jason Tiller. It's been a while. We caught up on another podcast, which you should <laughs> check out. It is the 10 Count Blog. It's 10 Count Blog, right? Well, it's 10, 10 Count, count Blog. But yeah. We call it 10 Count Podcast. If, 10 I think count if you podcast. search for 10 Count Blog, you'll find it. Yeah. But we're, yeah, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're on yep. uh, Stitcher. And like all wherever you get your podcast, you can find 10 Count Podcast. Yeah, and there's a new little batch of uh, you know conversations coming up. You got some new guys on there. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, let's see, Anakin Murphy is going to be on there. Munchie Gonzalez. Wait, Dexter. hold on. When is this going to air? Uh, as soon as I get, as soon as I get done, <laughs> and I want to hit the record, the uh, publish button. Well, because I might need you to edit the, that out because we're we're kind of keeping our guests oh. as a surprise. Okay, well pretend y'all didn't hear that. Pretend you didn't that. hear that. So uh, sitting here catching up with Jason. Uh, Blaine's also over here too. He's yeah. a He's doing the phone and thing, but he's already been on here, and I've heard his story. So we've changed up things a little bit, the format of the show. So the one thing I'm going to go ahead and get out of the way, if you had to pick if you had a favorite monster, a least favorite monster, and what would you do if encountered by your favorite monster? So there's three things right in a row. What you got? Okay. So I, I don't I, – I, you're kind of putting me on the spot. Actually, you're not. You gave me time to think. I just didn't. Oh, um, right on. Yeah. So – but as far as a favorite monster, like are we talking just like mythical monsters? This can, this can be anything that I want it to be. It could be anything you want it to be. Anything that I want it to be. Okay. Well, then my favorite monster is the chick from Guardians of the Galaxy 2 with the antennas. Oh, okay. So we're going Mantis. Yeah, we're going Mantis. Yeah. That that's what. Yeah, that she's my favorite because I like that. She, I like that she's not a telepath. She's an empath. Empath, right, right. And so she can feel your feelings. And with mental mm-hmm. health being kind of an important conversation in twenty twenty one, you know that's that's kind of a special ability to have. That's not bad. And she can help you sleep. She can. She can help you sleep, and she can wake you up, and mm-hmm. she can make Dave Batista laugh really hard. Sure can. So um, yeah, embarrass the hell out of uh, Peter Quill. He did. Sure did. did. Telling me everybody his deepest, darkest secret. Yeah. And his sexual love for Gamora, man. Sure did. That's I don't joke. think that was really a secret anyway. No. I mean, come on. No. And then you got to see Star-Lord on Parks and Rec. So. Sure did. Um, Fat Chris Pratt. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So least favorite monster. I, I don't know. Uh, again, that's one of those things I should have thought about before I started. But yeah. no. Um, now, and now this can range from you just absolutely despise them just because of the way they look. If there's something about them, like what they do, like or just they got imagined into existence, and you just hate the fact that somebody sat there and wasted their time to do it. Mm, that's a that's a good question. Yeah, because mine's so, yard gnomes. Yard gnome. You, yeah, I, I can see that. Oh yeah. Mm, I don't know, man. Uh, gosh, I'm probably gonna go with narwhals. 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 Hmm. Interesting. 
I don't think they're actually monsters. I think they might actually exist. I don't know. I don't know, but we're like, going to classify them that in the uh, Midwest Monster Hunters Dictionary of Monsters coming soon in Barnes & Noble and nowhere else. Yeah, like if they actually exist, I mean, they're they're just God's weirdest creation, man. I mean, it's like, like it's like a... Like a a, a a sea lion who looks like a sperm with a horn on its head. I mean, yeah, I just don't like the way it looks, man. Well, I'm not gonna sleep tonight. <laughs> hmm. I mean, that that's what it is. I just don't like the way they look. That's weird. So, but, wait a minute, they don't come on land, right? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I don't do anything with water except now. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, I know. I've tried to invite you fishing several times. Yep, I'm good. I ain't getting pushed out. <laughs> So, okay, so if confronted by, and this should be fairly decent, you know, a decent answer. If confronted by Mantis, uh, you know, what are you going to do then? I can't say that. My wife's in the next room. Ah, I got you. I kind of had that. Like, I didn't need no empath power to figure that one out or telepathic, but, you know. Totally kidding. It was just really good. It was a it was, an it was a good I answer. Yeah, it, that's what it was. It was an opportunity, and I took it. Yeah, it's like um, it's like the old saying goes, you know, if the shoe fits, kick him in the nuts. You exactly, know? exactly. No, no, like seriously, if I were to encounter Mantis, first and foremost, I'd hope she'd be with the rest of the Guardians. Um, that that would be because so Iron Man is my favorite Marvel character, but Guardians are a close second. Yes, um, and it's mostly because of the movies because they've used music so well in them and. Of course, Dave Bautista has been amazing as Drax the Destroyer, yep. and but like I mean, you just could not have done a very—I um, don't want to say it's like oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a less known uh, Marvel character and bring right. them to the mainstream. So the, the movies did them so much justice. Oh yeah, because I mean, look back when that dropped. I mean, it was what twenty thirteen. 13 when the movie dropped and it was such a sleeper yeah and then it was just this huge success that nobody even would have thought about yeah because who thinks of chris pratt as a as a, as a superhero right exactly well one nobody no one and two like he got put in that role and he wasn't technically you think about it wasn't necessarily a good guy no you know with the character of peter quill but then he turned around and you know he can be a smart ass he can be an asshole yeah, and he's a thief. So guess what? He stole everybody's hearts, and hey, he's Star Lord forevermore. He it, exactly. He's always Star Lord from now on. Yeah. But anyway, so if I met Manus, I would hope she'd be with the rest of the Guardians. Right. But if she's not, that's cool because the first thing I want to do is ask her if her antennas are to feel the tops of doors so that she doesn't hit her head. Well, I'm gonna bet if it's anything other than that, then I'm probably gonna win whatever bet we're not talking about right now. Fair enough. Um, but like, also, I would like to know more about her empathic abilities. Uh, just because, like I said earlier, you know, and, and to turn a funny topic serious, you know, it's 2021 and, you know, mental health is a huge topic nowadays. It is. Um, not just from the standpoint of like, you know, everybody's offended and needs to go see a counselor, Oof. but also, you know, like 2020 was just a fucking schoolyard bully of a year. Sure was. Bottom line. And I mean, you know, personally it's, it's affected me, you know, I, I got kicked out of my office building. Mm. And I had to work from home. Like we're we're coming up now on uh, the year anniversary of our two week quarantine. Jesus, you know. So it's like life has changed Mm -hmm. so much, and people who are normally very uh, you know outgoing and social have not had the opportunity. And then those of us who have to be forced into those social situations, you know, we've had our nice reclusive time, but we're starting to realize. 
okay, maybe maybe there was something to these people forcing us to go out and interact. And so, you know, mental health is such an important topic, and I would love to be able to help people and, and at, the, at the very least try to get into someone's head right. and try to help them. And so, Or to, at least be able to help them cope a little bit better. Exactly. Yeah. So, so having Mantis teach me, at the very least, what I can do as far as what I can do as a human being mm-hmm. uh, regarding emp- empathic abilities, I don't know. I just think that'd be cool. It's very, it's very, uh, it's attractive to me. Is it weird I'm picturing you with the antennae in your head right now? I just don't know which way they would go, but at least you'd be able to tell when there's doors and if they're too short and you wouldn't get decapitated. That's not what they're for, both. Well, I'm just saying, man. It's a helpful little tool. Just think if Shaq did. He wouldn't need them because as tall <laughs> as he is, he'd run face first into yeah, the door. I was about to say, Shaq runs head first into the doors. What are you exactly. talking about? He goes back first on the tables, but I, that's all fine and good. I will never forget. You remember that, uh, uh, I don't think it was Monster Garage, but it was another one of those shows on Discovery with Jesse James. Okay. And he was building bike, like custom bikes for people. Mm-hmm. And he had to build one for Shaq. Oh, Lord. And the bike he built, he tried to sit on it, and, it, like, he couldn't, like, touch the couldn't ground. Right, right. So, anyway, yeah, sorry. I, I don't know why that came to mind. We talked about Shaq. He takes a hell hey, of a bump. It's monster-related. I'm good with it, you know? He does. He takes a hell of a bump, by the sure way. Sure did. Just... That's why you had to have two tables to get his big ass. <laughs> those things disintegrated. And, Cody, I give him credit for having those hops. Yeah. White boy can jump. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, if you can't tell what we're talking about, there was a big... Tag team match on Dynamite, which this is Thursday, March 4th. Uh, that would have been the match with Red Velvet and Cody Rhodes against Jade Cargill, who is absolutely ridiculous, and Shaquille O'Neal, my favorite center of all time. Uh, yeah, that match happened, but that match happened, and we're going to talk about some other stuff right now because that's not what we're here to talk about. So I learned a little bit more about Jason that I didn't know about the monster thing, but the kind of thing I'm kind of curious in any kind of podcast, if you're doing the beginnings with somebody, uh, and I'm really not trying to sound like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Sometimes it comes off like that, but it just happens. But anyway, uh, I'm kind of curious about your beginnings in this crazy world of professional wrestling because as much as you've sat down and interviewed and talked with other people about it, I don't think anybody's turned the table on you. You know, uh, there... There is one person. One. So I'll be two. That's fine. But he is not in this country, so you're the first American to do it. Oh, right on. Yeah, because I did a a podcast a couple years back called uh, Wrestling with Success. Uh, It was with a guy named Neil McNillan, and um, he was uh, was from Essex, England, and um, we, we met through a podcasting group. So I got into wrestling because of my podcast. Um I'll never forget. So, so it was twenty, gosh, fourteen. I think I can't remember what year it was, but I was still married to my ex-wife at the time, and uh, I had just. So it was twenty fifteen. I had just started at Indot, um, so my current job that I'm at now, and um, I was traveling Willow Street and uh, on my way home one night, and I had been watching more WWE as of late because, as a kid. I, I was made to stop watching. My parents uh, literally told me, um, you know, you're, you're obsessed with this. And we're, we're done. You can't watch it anymore. And I really was very much obsessed, much like I am now. Um, and had I known back then what a passion it would become as an adult and 
wanting to get into it and having the opportunity to get into it, I think maybe my parents probably wouldn't have been so strict about it, knowing what I'm doing now. Right. But, uh, you know, at the time, I think it was just a problem with school and things like that. And, you know, finally said, you know, it's a bad influence. It, you're done. Yeah. So, if, you know... So you can I, tell you're one of those ones, once you get hooked <laughs> with something, it's full bore, it's all for it, exactly. and that's all you... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's one-track mind. And so, you know, fast forward through my, my teen years and my college years and, and, and all that good stuff, I sort of-ish kept up with wrestling. Like, I knew who the stars were. I knew who Stone Cold was. Of course, I watched in the Attitude Era, the Monday Night Wars. Right. Uh, luckily, you know, I stopped watching before, you know... Vince Russo took over WCW. Uh, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, so I kind of knew who the older guys were, but I wasn't keeping up with the new stars. Like, I knew who Cena was. I knew who The Rock was. Um, vaguely knew who um, uh, Batista was. Triple A. Like, like, I knew the guys who were young in the Attitude Era and then grew up through the Ruthless Aggression Era. So I kind of sort of knew them. But... I, in 2010, a storyline kind of hooked me, and it was one night I was just browsing through channels, and it just so happened it was the night that Bret Hart forgave Vince McMahon on Raw, and I was like, okay, this is interesting enough for me to sit and watch, so I sat and watched Bret Hart, and he called out Shawn Michaels, he called out Vince McMahon, and that whole night was just a really cool thing, and then he got destroyed by the Nexus. Sure did. Um, and so I was like, okay, this is interesting. This kept my attention. I'll, I'll come back next week to check it out. And then, um, of course I didn't get pay-per-views at that time. Uh, I was broke and my parents didn't pay for pay-per-views and the network was not a thing. Right. So that didn't become a thing till what, 2014? Something to that effect. Like I think actually, yeah, you think you're right. Cause the first pay-per-view I watched on the network was, um, Survivor Series 14 where Sting came in. Oh yeah. 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 So anyway, God. I can't believe it's been... That's seven years ago, man. That is. That's ridiculous. That's, that is. That's absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, so I was watching kind of... I kind of kept up with the Nexus storyline. Wade Barrett was very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Babyface Wade Barrett. And I don't mean the character. <laughs> I'm talking about the look. Yeah. And and about, you know, 40, 50 pounds heavier, too. Yeah. Um, what was with the rose? I mean, come on. I don't know. But Is yeah, he trying he, to be a gangster from England and it just didn't pan out? Well, that was before... Like, that That came after Nexus. I didn't know that at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, when when he was in the Nexus, that was... Like, like Ryback was in the Nexus at that time. Old Skip uh, Sheffield. Stephen Sheffield, yeah. Yep. Husky Harris. Uh, I can't own this box. Okay, go put toys up. That was my son interrupting, but That's it's all fine. good. He interrupted Alex too. It's all sure good. did. But like, yeah, Husky Harris, formerly known or now known as Bray Wyatt, right. um, Curtis Axel at that time he wasn't Curtis Axel. Um, Curtis Axel, Heath Slater, Heath Slater. Um, uh, what's his name? His, his real name is Fred. Um, there was a Fred. His real name is Fred, but he's the, he's the gay wrestler, and I don't mean to, but. Darren yeah, Young. Darren Young. Yeah, Wait, was Darren guy. Young was part of Nexus, or you think? Yeah, or was yeah. he in NXT? No, he was Nexus, bro. He was, was he? Yeah. Um, and who then, was uh, the guy? Michael Tarver. That's yeah. who I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tarver, and then there was uh, 
Mr. Four Fifty. Yeah, PJ uh, Wolf now, but he was Justin Gabriel. Justin at the time. Gabriel, there it is. So I mean, Nexus was just such a really cool group. You hadn't seen an energy like that since the NWO, and so that's what True. kind of brought. It didn't bring me back into the fold full time because once the Nexus petered out, because Vince McMahon hates factions. Yes. Um, I kind of stopped watching, but I remember when uh, the minute I got the network, I was able to watch the uh, the SummerSlam. A match from 2010 where they had the Nexus versus Team Cena. Right. And uh, that was Cena, Jericho, Edge, um, Big Show, maybe? I can't remember. I can't remember who all but Bret Hart was the, the other member of, of Team Cena. And uh, Bret Hart, of course, he couldn't take any bumps at the time, and he went out early. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, everybody turned on Cena, and then Cena had lost and had to join the Nexus. And I remember, of course, and then they did the Golden Shovel Cena bullshit where he buried Wade Barrett, and then Wade Barrett got relegated to the mid-card and never won a world title like he should have. So anyway, and now and then he quit out of frustration, went to NWA, and now he's back in NXT as an announcer. Right. Hell of a voice on that guy, though. Oh, yeah. Love me some Wade Barrett. Yes. But anyway, after that, I kind of fell out and got back to, like, just kind of, okay, I know who the big stars are. Um, Daniel Bryan, um, blah, 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 blah. What really brought me back into the fold, like, full time, uh, started watching again in 2014. And it was The Miz and Sandow. I loved that tag team (laughs) so much. And then, um, you know, at that time you had The Shield. Mm -hmm. And so I joined in. CM Punk didn't even really phase me. Like, I never watched CM Punk's stuff. But, you know, now being a fan, I've gone back and viewed it. But I know who who he is. But he never really even phased me. Um, I I like what Josh Totten says about him. He was a guy with bad footwork who they let say whatever he wanted to on the mic. Yeah. you know, just to be honest with you. Um, so anyway, he he was just never that exciting to me. But what brought me back into the fold was the Shield breakup. Yeah, I um, see that, yeah. So, like, I never knew really who the Shield was, but I knew they were kind of a big deal. And then I just so happened to turn on the Raw where Seth Rollins turned on Ambrose and Reigns. Mm-hmm. And so that brought me back to watching TV. And... I kept up with it, and I kept up with it. And, of course, now I don't watch it as much anymore anyway because WWE's storylines have been shit. Oh, yes. Anyway, I'm, I'm spending a <laughs> lot of time on this uh-huh. because it will put, it'll tell you where I was at mentally. Um, at the time in my life, I wasn't getting to do the things I wanted to do. I was not being allowed to be the person that I wanted to be. Um, I was married to someone who... Uh, was very controlling, although she would tell you that I was controlling, very narcissistic. And I feel comfortable saying that on this podcast because I'm not going to mention her name, one. But two, I mean, that's just how I feel about it. That's my truth. That's what Jason Tiller feels in this moment. And wrestling provided that escape for me again like it did when I was a kid. And as I continued to get into it, you know, you could continue to see the wheels turning and, you know, she hated it. And I think ultimately wrestling was our undoing because I refused to stop Mm -hmm. loving something that I loved. It was the first time I put my foot down in the entire time we were married. I said, no, you can't, you can't tell me I'm not allowed to love this. Right. You know? And so anyway, at the time I was watching a lot of WWE 
right after I got my job, I was driving down Willow Street in Vincennes, and I passed by the Eagles Club, and the sign outside said, wrestling on Saturday, $5 or whatever it was. And that is when I discovered Tri-State Wrestling. Um, so, I mean, that, and that was kind of my first introduction <laughs> into independent wrestling. So, me and my ex-brother-in-law, uh, we came, and I'll never forget it. There was, the main event of that night was Zach Hogan and Teddy King. Oh, yeah. And it was the first time I had ever seen a Canadian destroyer. I remember that match, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and then also, I remember Blaine Black, who's sitting over there being oddly silent, freaked me the fuck out, um, because that was Chaos Carnival uh, at that time, so him and Patrick Taylor. Holy God. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so on that show, you also had Ray and Chris Waddell, the system. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we're t- I'm taking you back a little bit in the yeah. independent wrestling scene. This must have been my time away from tr- it, it is. It is. Yeah, because you weren't on the show. Right, right. But, like, I think Brandon Colmeyer was on that show. Oh, wow. I um, didn't remember that for a minute either. Yeah, um, Hunter Loveless, and he hadn't been there for a long time. Right. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this name. Will Bray, um, he was on the show. Um, and I remember, But I remember him specifically being really exciting to watch, too. Right. So, I mean, that was kind of a... a really fun time uh to be to to get into independent wrestling because in my opinion that was when we had a lot of really great guys at tsw and you know the booking was solid was fun that night and so uh i met steven mitchell that night and you know say what you will about steven mitchell Mm -hmm. i know there are a lot of people that don't like him i know there are a lot of people that don't trust him and there's some stories out there floating my experience with steven has always been mostly positive right um, I, I'm not going to sit here and badmouth him because he was so accommodating to me. Because at the time, I was already running 10 Count Blog. I had started 10 Count Blog at that time. But going to TSW inspired me to start my podcast. And so the second TSW show that I went to, I actually asked Barry if I could show up early and sit with him for 15, 20 minutes and just record his thoughts on the podcast. And of course, you know, now looking back, obviously, I think I probably could have done something differently. But, you know, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. And I didn't know Barry. didn't know. Like, like, I think I could have done that differently and been more successful with it. But on the same token, it was my first introduction. And then I talked to Barry after we were done recording. And I said, man, I'd love to, I'd love to give this a shot. Mm-hmm. And he, Barry, you know, of course, being Barry Baker. Right. Um, but, oh, just jump in. Yeah. And that's what I did. I just sat up there and I didn't actually take a bump. Like I just sat at the ringside and watched the training class that was going on. And, you know, I was uh, just watching. I'm like, I could do this. Like I could do that. I have no trouble thinking. But anyway, so fast forward a little bit. I talked to Steven and he got me actually involved in the training class there and don't get me wrong, you know, TS, I, I know a lot of people have bad opinions of TSW trained people. They really do. And, you know, that's not for a bad reason because there were some bad habits that we all picked up, not because of Steven necessarily, but because it was just one of those situations where we had guys, there were too many chiefs and not enough Indians in that yeah. situation. And so we didn't have, like Steven was the leader and we all knew it, but he had other stuff going on. And it wasn't as though, like, it, it, just, it just we picked up bad habits because we had so many cooks in the kitchen. Right. I and so that. I'll say that. 
And so from my perspective, I still really enjoyed it because I didn't know any better at the time. And I'll be truthful with you, I still don't know that I know any better necessarily. But, um, you know, I worked at TSW for quite a while. You know, I trained from my first training session was at a show in Princeton that we had outside in a parking lot at Peddler's Mall. And, um, you know, Blaine's sitting over there shaking his head because he remembers <laughs> that one. Um, I didn't wrestle on that show, but I did take my first bumps there. And Now, you know, what, what were your first bumps like? Like, how did you actually feel? So, so I mean, I think I had the normal reaction to your first bump. Uh, uh-huh. uh, I took a flat back, you know, just back bump. And I was told that I did it really well the first time I did it. Um, and Steven told me that. And then also Cole Adams told me that. Because uh, he had been training for a little while at the time, and um, I think Luke Wilder at the time, oh yeah, um, yeah, he was there, and so he told me that I did it really well. So I was like, okay, um, you know, maybe I do have it. Um, so it, anyway, um, but I mean, it was it's like, oh, that was my first reaction, you know, because like, oh shit, why? Like it had me con- contemplating why I'm doing this. Why am I putting myself exactly? Through this? It's not a natural thing just to take your body and throw it down to the ground. Well, at least I didn't do like you did and take my first bump off the top rope. Well, you, you know, know, I don't recommend that. But, no. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, I trained all day and I was sore. I used muscles. I didn't know I had. Um, and it was, it was, it was awesome though. Like I felt so accomplished after doing that and like, okay, this is going to be fun. I'm going to enjoy doing this. And it was therapy for me. Right. It was. You know, I was in a situation at home where I couldn't be myself, where I didn't love myself. And, you know, I keep talking about mental health in 2021. It was a big deal in 2015 when I started training, too. I didn't love myself. I didn't love the person I was becoming. And I think that was kind of the beginning of the end for me as far as learning, or as far as conforming. To what everybody else wants. You know, it's like I found so much happiness doing the things that I love doing, mm-hmm. but I found no happiness doing the things that everyone expected me to do. So when I found wrestling, it was just so cathartic for me. It was a really, it was just a release of right. all my cares. And it was, it was so therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And so I kept coming back. I kept coming back. We trained at the Monroe City shows over at the Blue Jeans Center. We trained at the Eagle shows. I mean, we just like like if I could get in a ring, I was in a ring, right. and at TSW. Now, I'll say this: as I continued to train and make contacts, I continued to do my podcast. Mm-hmm. So I was making all kinds of contacts in the business really fast because when my my podcast started getting, I won't say it got big, but when it started getting a little bit of notoriety here in the Midwest. People started popping up wanting to be on it. Right. And so I would make contacts like Jordan Kelly or, you know, I think Johnny Richards was on. Scotty Wolf was on. People from different promotions. I had Billy Black on from uh, champion, uh, Coliseum Championship Wrestling back in the day. Right. Um, I had a lot of people, like I said, contacting me wanting to be on it. And so every time – it seemed like every time I would talk to people, I had somebody in my ear. And this was where kind of I had to be – I had to have my bullshit filter on, you know, mm-hmm. um, because every time I would talk to somebody who wasn't a TSW person, they would give me all kinds of like, just don't trust Barry Baker. Um, you know, Stephen Mitchell's not a trainer. Um, you know, like just there was so much bullshit in my ear. And for me, it wasn't about that. Like, I get it. Like, you're proud of where you're trained. Right. Everybody in this business is proud of who trained them. Um, especially if you've gone to a big name school, 
you know, I think of uh, Johnny Polk, who, you know, went and trained down at Dr. Tom's school. Right. I think of Anakin Murphy, who trained with Cowboy Bob Orton and Michael Elgin. Um, you know, uh, Jordan Kelly, even, who trained with Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Uh, Sam Knight, your buddy, my buddy, um, you know, who trained out All at Knox Pro. <laughs> yeah, you know, the big, shout out to the Big Goose. Um, but anyway, you know, trained at Knox Pro with, with the Samoans. Yeah, you T-Sheet, know? Gangrel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like... People are proud of where they've trained, especially the people who've, you know, put in the time and the money and the effort to do it. Mm -hmm. And I get that. I understand that. But for guys like me, it was never so much about being in the position to be the best. It was about being in the ring. Right. And for me, it was therapy. Yeah. It was it was so good for my mental health to be there. I, I don't to this day, I don't care if I go to WWE. I'd love to. I'd love to have that shot. And for a little while, I thought I might have a shot. Um, you know, I'll tell this story a little bit later, depending on how much time we have. But, um, you know, for me, it was not about, it, it was about escaping. Mm -hmm. It was about escaping the, the, just the minutia of everyday life because my life had become at that time just, just such a sack of shit. To be quite honest with you. And, you know, outside of my two kids, I don't think I had anything to be happy about <coughs> except for wrestling. So anyway, I'm making contacts. People are giving me all this bullshit. Don't trust Barry Baker. Well, he takes money and he doesn't pay guys and blah, 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 blah. It, for me, it was in one ear and out the other. I didn't care. Right. So eventually, as we all do, uh, I had my first match. It was in a royal a battle royal um, in October of 15, my first singles match was against Terrence in Bicknell, also in October of 2015. Um, and then I had my second singles match against JC Carnage. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, so, and that was a, that was a fun, fun night. Um, so anyway, I had all of that going on, and I was wrestling, I was having a good time, I was showing up for training, I was helping work shows, I was doing music for people. You know, I had all these talents because I've been in media all my life. Right. So I knew how to do some things and help guys out with, with their technical side of things. So I, it, was, it was nice. I had really found a place uh, within the wrestling business, I thought. But as all of us do, as we continue to grow and as we continue to get better, um, we get the itch to mm. want to go elsewhere. Right. And, of course, if you're trained at TSW, Barry always takes offense if you decide you want to go elsewhere. And I, th I like to think that maybe I explained it to him really well when I told him I was going to go work somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, and my first booking outside of TSW was actually at New Focus, and it was shortly after my divorce. Uh, I was dating a girl um, who went down there quite a bit. Um, and she helped. She knew that she knew everybody working at New Focus, and she helped me get on there. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to her for that. But um, I think I explained it to Barry. It's like, look, I appreciate everything you've done for me, and now I'm going to take what I've learned here, and I'm going to spread my wings. TSW is always going to be my home. It's right. where I trained. It's where I took my first bump in the ring, and it will always be. It'll always have a special place in my heart, and I'll always come back. But I want to experience what it's like to be paid to wrestle. Right. I want to experience what it's like to work with different guys and get better mm -hmm. and get that experience. And so I was working on just trying to find different places to wrestle. I, I think I wrestled for New Focus once. Uh, I went to Strictly 
a couple times with Alan Angel. Um, and then, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, it wasn't until Travis Weir came back to TSW that I really started kind of looking elsewhere. And it was just, I had always heard about IWAU. I had always, like, like I was doing my podcast at the time, you and I talked about IWAU. Right. And I had never been there, but I knew about it. And so I was always intimidated because I knew the caliber of guys that came out of IWA, you know, Joey O'Reilly, mm-hmm. you, um, Brandon Walker, you know, Ricochet, <laughs> you know, we had so many guys come through IWAU that have been so successful in this business. And I was always intimidated by that. Um, and then maybe it was the people who always told me, well, TSW is a shitty place to train. You know, maybe it was that. I don't know. But I always had this mental block. like, I, I want to get better before right. I try to go there. But um, as luck would have it, one night, Travis Weir called me up. He goes, dude, we need guys. You, if you want a booking, it's here. Come to IWAU. We're not going to pay you anything. But if you come, it, it's going to be fun. Right. And I had I had come and sat in the crowd one time when Blaine went and wrestled. Um, and so I knew the atmosphere. And I was like... You know, there's a lot of people over there that come to TSW. Maybe, maybe it'll just be fun for the exposure. So I got in, and I knew Shank from the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I got there, and so I introduced myself to Josh, and I went up to Travis. I said, hey, can you help me out here? So Travis helped me out with everything. They did the best thing they could have done for me at the time. They put me in the ring with Shank, with babyface Shank. <laughs> and... You know, Heel Shank was a little stiff, and I maybe oh, may yes. not have come back after Heel Shank, but Shank was a baby face. So you got lucky. I did. I got very lucky. Um, and but but I knew him from the podcast, and he promised me he would take care of me. Right. And it, a fun fact, just an aside, uh, this was also the night that Shank kicked Matt Race's ass. Um, oh, that was that same night. Yeah. So wow. um, anyway. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that one for now, yeah. but, because um, it freaks me out. Like, yeah, I remember yeah. that because uh, this well, is especially your first time being this back is the there. Guy I'm like, supposed Wait a minute. To be working yeah. that just had the cops called on him. What the fuck? <laughs> um, anyway, so, um, anyway, uh, they put me with Shank and Shank and I go out and have a match and you know, my music hits and I get a pop Yeah, and I'm like, I've never been here before. What the f-? And so I go out and like. Everybody who knows me from TSW is there. Mm-hmm. And the people who don't know me are feeding off of them. Yep, exactly. And Shank, keep in mind, is a baby face at the time. I had the crowd split down the middle. Yeah, like which is, Shank, hard, which is hard to do because Shank is one of those guys, when people are on him, man, they are on him. They, they are. And, and that, that's just testament to his personality and his ability yeah. to work psychology so well. But anyway, I get out there. And Shank and I didn't even start the match for a good three or four minutes because I stepped into the ring and we had, let's go, Jason, let's go, Shank, like dueling chants. Yep. And like Shank, like, like I, I like to think that he looked at me and was a little like off put. And you, you can't do that very well with Shank. Like Shank's right. ready for That's, anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I like to think that maybe he wasn't expecting that. And so we go out there and we have a very basic match. Shank knows I'm green and don't know a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he took real good care of me. And we came back and you know we we talked and he helped me. And like I started to learn the, the locker room etiquette at IWAU. And I had so much fun. It was such a good experience that I came back. And I came back and I came back and I came back. Yep. 
Um, and now I've become a fixture at, well, at IWA. And here we are how many years yeah. later? And... Yeah. I mean, so, but anyway, my second match at IWA was with Joey. Um, oh, that guy. Yeah. And, and I have another good story about that that I'll tell real fast. So uh, as part of his training methodology, Stephen always encouraged us to carry a, uh, a notebook with us with you know moves and like techniques that we knew. Mm-hmm. That way we could kind of hand it to somebody. Look, I'm green. Here's what I can do. Can we, how can we work with this? And, you know, in hindsight, maybe, maybe not the best idea, but also not a bad idea. Because when I handed that notebook to Joey, right. Joe, Joey tells the story. He says, that was the night I gained respect <clears throat> for you. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, you didn't go in and try to do something you didn't know you, you, knew you couldn't do. You didn't go in and like like put me in a position to be hurt, put yourself in a position to be hurt. You came in, you gave me what you knew, and we worked within it. And then I worked with Joey a few more times after that, and he said, after that, I made it my mission to push you outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. And so Joey, no, I think Joey, knowing where I was coming in, was more comfortable and more impressed with me uh, because I was just up front with him. Yeah. And so I, I'll credit Stephen Mitchell for that because, you know, I feel like, that that advice, whether it's a good or a bad thing for most people, I think it helped me. And so, and I think that's the measure of whether something is good or bad. Did it help someone? Yeah. Did it? Did did it do some good? And if it did some good, then it can't be all bad, right? Yeah, very much agreed. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, and of course, I eventually ditched the notebook, and I eventually got to a point where I was super comfortable with everyone, and then I started come training with Josh. Josh introduced me to a whole new way of thinking about things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he likes to say he fixed my bad habits. And, you know, that's, that's a fair statement because, you know, I did have some bad habits. I learned a lot of new things and a lot of new techniques and a lot of new ways to do certain things. And Josh was just, he was never judgmental about it. Right. He was never hateful about it. And that's, I think that's why I was just so comfortable. Right, and see, Josh is one of those guys who I don't think gets nearly enough credit because he's so well-tempered. Yeah. Like, even uh, – there's the level of frustration sometimes you get where you kind of just kind of be like, all right, what the fuck, you know? You don't, you're not going to hear that out of Josh Todd. No. Especially if you're a newer guy or maybe a guy who has been taught a certain way and you're trying to retrain those habits in a way, he will be uh, – what am I saying? Kind of accommodating – and will take the time, especially if you have the heart and desire and want to actually learn how to get better and work at a better style that will benefit you. He will take that time and he will chill out with you and he will show you the way that, you know, the way he was trained at least in a way that can benefit, you know, especially for you being a bigger guy mm-hmm. and, you know, Josh being a bigger guy as he is, mm-hmm. you know, that would benefit you much more down the road as you continue to keep going. That, that's the thing about Josh that I love. He genuinely wants to see people succeed. He does. And that's what sets him apart from other guys who train who just don't care. Right. Um, and that's why I think IWAU is so special because it is a club. It is a school. It's a place where we can all grow and become friends, but we mm-hmm. invite people in regularly. Like We, we kind of take all, but we genuinely, all of us, I think, have taken our lead from Josh and that we want to see each other succeed. Yep. Like, uh, for instance, when Joey went to, uh, went to Florida you mm-hmm. know, to go work AEW – um, I, I was like, Josh, don't come back. It's yeah. not because I don't want to see you. It's not because I don't love you. I want you to be there. Exactly. 
Um, and so I think we've all kind of like taken on that mentality of we want to see each other succeed. And that's what makes IWAU special. Right. Now, do we want to push each other and have good matches and stuff like that? Yeah. yeah but absolutely. I think it's <clears throat> what I think it is like uh, we want each other to get better. Because like when you were training at TSW, when you're working at TSW, there's a level of talent in, within the promotion itself to where when you get to a certain level, are you just going to stay there and be stuck? Or are you going to evolve and move on and push yourself to be better with more ta- other talent and see what you really have compared to other guys that have maybe been working a lot longer too? Absolutely. And not to run down TSW because, like I said, it'll always be the first place I called home. Right. But you get into TSW, and as much as the people who hate it mm-hmm. and bash, those are still the people that continue to come. Right. And they continue to, they continue to work with the trainees, the green talent. And I don't want to say they hold them back because I don't think they do it intentionally. Mm-hmm. But TSW is very much a place that's viewed as a go get some experience right. and get some ring time. It's not about the stories. It's not about. Do you want to go get that? Yeah. It's not about the stories. It's, it, it, and, and Blaine, if no no offense to you oh, sitting over there, I understand that it's not necessarily your uh, – I understand that you were trying very hard. But there, there's a different set of circumstances there. But like for so often, I, fe- I feel like it's just a place to go and get some ring time and train and be the person – like I, I hate to say it like this, but kind of get your shit in. That, that's kind of how I've always felt. Like, like that, that's kind of how I always felt about TSW because there's a lot more egos there than there should be. And I, I don't, again, I don't mean to say that to bury anybody. I don't mean to say that to be rude about anyone. And, but, but it's just one of those things where I, I kind of viewed it as, as there was an ego there. Yeah. Um, Even I've always gotten that. Yeah. And so anyway, um, you know, Bo, Bo kind of ran off to, to deal with a crisis and left me to, to do his podcast. So I'll just sit here and ramble for a couple minutes. I'll tell another cool story about my time wrestling. So we, uh, one time, I'll, I'll never forget this. Uh, it was, I mentioned it, it was the second match I ever had with Terrence. And um, we were working a show in Bicknell. And we didn't work too many shows in Bicknell because the fire chief, we were doing them at the fire station there and the chief decided he didn't like us. But, um, I'll never forget, it was right after I'd had my first match, and I didn't bring gear. And that's a cardinal sin in wrestling. You always bring your gear. You always bring everything you need to wrestle a match, even if you're not necessarily on the show because you never know when you're going to get the opportunity to work. And so um, I pulled up. I was there. I was going to ring announce. That was my plan, was to either ring announce or just take some pictures for a 10-count blog or something like that. But... um, it was never my intention to wrestle that night. Well, Steven rolls up to me after I pull in and goes, Hey, by the way, um, we had a couple cancellations, so I need you to work tonight. And I was like, Oh, I'm not prepared. Like, I didn't even have gear at the time. Like, I was wrestling with uh, uh, ball shorts on and a t-shirt because I was, you know, less confident in my body at that time. I was still not super confident in it, but um, I was much less confident in it then. And so um, I'll never forget it. The rest of the trainees got told to go and flyer and go put flyers up. And that's what they did. They all like walked around Bicknell, Indiana, putting up flyers. And we actually did bring some people in that way, which was kind of neat. So it's, that's 
testament to the power of, uh, of advertising. But while the rest of the trainees were going to flyer the town, Jason Tiller went to the Dollar General Market in Bicknell, Indiana. There is not a Walmart in Bicknell, Indiana. There is a Dollar General Market in Bicknell, Indiana. And um, so I'm scrambling to try and find just a pair of shorts to wrestle in. Scrambling to try and find just something I can put together for a match. And, uh, you know, I ended up finding something, and it was terrible. I only wore these once. I think I ended up giving them to my ex-wife because they were too small for me. But... um, but I wore them, and it was it was what it was. But I ended up going out there and have a really good match with Terrence. Ended up going out there and, uh, and having a lot of fun, despite all the trouble that we had that night. And so, you know, uh, that that's just another one of my, my cool stories from when I started training. But uh, anyway, kind of to get back to what we were talking about earlier, though, um, you know, a perfect transition there, right? It was really yeah. good because you know the uh, the life of a dad is never done, and my son <laughs> my son busted his mouth on <laughs> on a bunk bed. I'm pretty Ooh. sure. Yeah, yeah. So well, I covered for you well. I think. Hey, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I appreciate. It. Hey, Thanks, that's, boy. that's what that's what a radio professional <laughs> does. That a boy. <laughs> <laughs> we are now. <laughs> yeah, we are now. Um, but no, like just to get back to what we were talking about earlier, Josh, you're you're absolutely right. He doesn't get enough credit for for being amazing is is really what it is yeah. tolerant and accepting and willing to work with guys right as long as they show that they actually have that uh that drive they want to learn they want to get a little bit better mm-hmm. uh they want to i don't know have a platform that they can actually you know not just want to do it but don't want to do it but can actually go out and show me like, oh, hey, this is how you do that. Okay, now it makes sense. And he makes yeah. it make sense, too. And that's what makes IWAU, I think, one of the penultimate promotions in this area. Right. Not because we're going to put on the best quality show. Like, we put on a super good quality show. Right. We're not putting on the Zero One show where yeah. everybody's running 50,000 miles an hour. Exactly. But we're putting on a quality show. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're we're feeding guys to those promotions like Zero One. Right. Um, you know, we're we're able to attract guys like you know. I remember I'll never forget the night that Joey worked with Warhorse. Yeah. Um, you know, at the at the school, that was a fun night, and I actually Warhorse got to be on my podcast that night. Yeah. Um, you know, we it's not as though IWAU we we attract great people. Mm-hmm. And great, we surround ourselves with great people. Thank you, Tina. You're yeah, um, and my current wife is is doctoring both son playing, right now. Playing cleanup duty to my son. Yeah, she's so. a, she's a wonderful human being, by the yeah. way, and a good part time nurse apparently. Yes, she is. Um, but you know, and I don't know, Bo, how long you like to go on these because I've I've rambled a lot. But yeah, we um, go a few. We go a little bit more. Okay, but yeah. So, but yeah, IWAU does attract some of the best. The best guys, and if if not the best talents, at least the best attitudes, I think. Go. And Josh Totten does a really good job of molding those attitudes. Now, that's not to say that you know, you know, we we don't have our faults at IWA. We do, um, but it's not as though they're like intentional mistakes that we don't have any interest in fixing. Mm-hmm. And and that's what makes IWAU great. I think is just that we are. There's so many good things to say about it and not really a lot of bad things to say about it. Right. And that's not true of a lot of things at all. Yeah. Like like globally, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I kind of look at IWAU as this. I'm one of the guys I originally started when I <laughs> – my second time, I should say, when I actually got into wrestling, 
not taking top rope superplex. When you had your bad habits fixed. Exactly. Uh, You know, I was fresh out of the world of doing the whole MMA thing. And then coming in with a guy like Josh Totten, who was a Marine, and homicidal Stephen Davis, who was just a genuine, I will kick your ass and jock and jerk a knot in your tail that I can't say (laughs) for no reason. Uh, You know, habits I didn't know about that I was going to develop. They help you out, and it's pretty much. I look at IWAU, especially the training wise, it's a I don't want to say a throwback, it's a proper basic. Here's what you can do pound in the basics, but you over exaggerate everything, you make it look good, and you learn those fundamentals. And then, if you want to go on to the advanced stuff, hey, we got people that can show you that, stu- that stuff too to do it the proper way to where you're not getting yourself hurt not getting your opponent hurt, taking care of each other, and putting on a good match. Yeah, and that's kind of the way I've looked at it. I looked at TSW as where I learned basics, mm-hmm. and then I looked at IWAU as finishing school. Yeah, that, that's a good look. That's very much how I looked at it, because that's how that's how it worked for me. And, you know, I, I'll never say that I'm not trained by Stephen Mitchell, because he did. He gave me my opportunity and got my foot in the door. Right, there's some, there's some people that, you know, we all have our starts, exactly. whether it be good or whether it be bad. And we're very much appreciative for those starts. And I feel like there are people who are worse trained than I am. Right. I sincerely do. I, I've worked with people who are not as well trained as I am. Yeah. And that's not tooting my own horn. That's not me sitting here trying to be prideful. It's just I've had some really shitty matches mm-hmm. with some guys who really needed to spend some more time in the ring before right. they got into matches. And, and see, that's so, the bad thing, too, because there's some guys, and I'm not saying it's TSW. There's people that have tried it at IWAU. There's mm-hmm. people that have tried it all over the place. Yeah. They're what I like to call TV trained. Mm-hmm. They go and they watch Monday Night Raw and be like, oh, that's a cool move. I could probably do that. That or they're YouTube trained. They go to yeah. these they, – they watch the Santino brothers on YouTube. And yes. they, Here's how you do this move. Yeah. They watch the, the big-name training guys. Right. And then my, my – I've encountered a couple guys who said they were trained by big-name people, but it mm. really was. They were watching their YouTube videos. Right, exactly. And trust me, on when dropping the Santino brothers' name in there, you really want to go train with them guys? Trust me. They will whoop your ass and put respect into you one way, shape, form, or another. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And they don't slap legs. No, they do not. Oof. <coughs> but, uh, so, yeah, this is this is really enlightening for me because I don't think we've actually really sat down and talked about, like, how your, uh, your beginnings were or what's your mental state. And especially, that's the one thing that I don't think a lot of people outside the business really realize Professional wrestling is not only an escape for the people watching it, but for the people in it, it's very therapeutic in a way. Because for me, I might have bills going on. I might have stuff going on with my ex-wife. I can't see my kids. I can't do this. But guess what? For that hour, two hours, wherever, how long it is, I'm at that show. I'm somebody else different. And I've got, the only thing i got to worry about is when the Black Dragons are jumping out and when the bell rings. Exactly. And that's the way I look at it, too. For that few minutes that I'm in the ring working in front of that crowd, I get to be the character, Jason Tiller. Right. I get to be in that locker room for whatever, how long we're... I get to be Jason Tiller, who's with his boys, Mm -hmm. who's comfortable. And that's not to say that, you know, I have discomfort everywhere else, because I'm in a much better situation now than I was, you know, five years ago when I started training. Right, I can tell a big difference, because I remember your early days and everything, and compared to then to now... You're almost pretty much a totally different guy. Well, well, my mental health is better because I'm not being forced to be someone I'm not. But I, I can genuinely say 
that wrestling is. I guess my son's fine. He's talking. <laughs> yeah, he's talking good now. But but wrestling is genuinely the therapy that helps me get through things like the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It helps me get through my job, like, like the the stress of my job, my everyday life. And I don't think now looking back, I don't understand how I didn't do this. I don't understand how I didn't come to IWAU. No. It's all about um, timing. It, it really is. And I wish uh, – Josh Josh said to me uh, – because I told him that same story where I always felt like I wanted to be better before I came there. Mm-hmm. And he looks at me dead in the eyes. He goes, that's why you come to IWAU is to yep. get better. Exactly. And like it just – that perspective hit me like a ton of bricks. And I think it was when I started going to IWAU, when I started really – well, when I started wrestling in general, but when I started learning and getting better and getting those um, – those, it's not so much accolades, it's, but it's like when you start knowing that people trust you. And now I'm in a position at IWAU where I get put with a lot of new guys. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's nice. It's not about titles for me. It's never been about the gold or the – you know, those are props. Right. I don't care what anybody says. Those are props. Yep bestowed upon people who are deserving of them but i don't need it yeah i don't need it knowing that i'm getting put in a ring with someone who's had two matches and trusted to take care of that person mm-hmm. that's more fulfilling for that's me. almost a title in its way it, because it really you've been is. put there to be like here's this guy he's newer coming in Take care of him because they put that faith in you. You're going to take care of that guy, yeah, they, like Shank took care of you. Exactly, and they know that they know that I can be trusted, right? To make to make sure that both of the people in that ring are coming out uninjured, mm-hmm. and if nothing else, we've learned something, we've made a mistake and recovered from it. They know that putting them with me, there, there's going to be good experience rather than just a shit show, right? Yep, totally agree. And it's like this, is, this week with IWAU, and again, I don't mean to sit here and just ramble oh, on. No, you're good, man. But, uh, but I worked with with the younger guy. I, I don't remember his name, um, but he's the, he works as the dragon, as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I call um, him Blue Pants. I can't remember what his. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, and I apologize. I, know you're talking about. Yeah, I apologize yeah. if you hear this. I really don't. Uh, I, it's not an ego thing. It's just I'm terrible with memory. <laughs> um, but we we had a really we had a rough mistake in our match this week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he went up for a Samoan drop, and he had never taken one. Didn't tell me before the match that he had never taken one. Oh, and so when shoot. I called it, um, he said he was comfortable with it. Right. And so we went up for the Samoan. He fell off my back, and I had to grab hold of his leg to keep him from falling on his head. Right. And Sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and we recovered from that very well. But a lot of guys, like the guys that I talked about earlier in this podcast who, you know – were trying to get in my head. Mm-hmm. I like to think that I reacted differently than they would have. Yeah. Because for me, I've, I don't ever yell at people. Like, <laughs> like when, when have you ever, excuse me, when have you ever seen me angry? <laughs> uh, like, like literally. I'm I, can, I can't even say a handful of times. There might have been like a couple times, but. Very, like, I very think hard. I've been angry once at IWAU. And it was because there was a really bad, like really obvious mistake um, I, I mean, shoot, I, I had my ankle screwed up a lot uh, a few weeks back, mm-hmm. and like had a hard time walking out of there, and I still wasn't angry. Right, right. Like, and it was clearly not. It was clearly a mistake that could have been avoided, but I was not. Like, I get it, and that's 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 me. I think that I try to react that way, and I think that's another reason why they put me with guys is because they know I'm not going to overreact and fuck up their confidence. Right. 
And that's good on you for knowing that now and learning where you have come to where you are now. Totally different person. Hell of a guy to work with. I know every time we've worked, I've had fun with it because... Like, especially, I know Blaine can say this, too, because he's one of these stiff motherfuckers. But (laughs) (laughs) we go in there. We know what we can do to each other. We can lay the shots in. We can tell the good story with it. Do we have to go out and kill each other? No. No. But as long as we're making it look like that, but at the same token, I'm going to take care of you. You're going to take care of me. We're going to go home and just go fine. Yeah, exactly. And it's all about learning. It's all a learning experience. It really is. So, so that's really, that's my story. Um, yeah. you know, I got into wrestling because I loved it and because it was, it was my escape from my terrible first marriage. Right. And, you know, now I'm here in a healthy place and I not only get to be, I not only get to be a wrestler, I not only get to do my therapy, but I get to use my example to help others. There you and go. that's, that's it. That's the penultimate for me. And that's great. Um, so yeah, kind of running, you know, on the time, whatever. It's been a long one, but hey, I've enjoyed the hell out of it. Even though I had to run and check on my kid, <laughs> thought he busted his mouth open over there and went hard way. But uh, so, where can people catch you on social media? At? So uh, the real monster, Jason Tiller. We didn't even talk about my actual gimmicks. We really I... didn't. Hey, there can always be a part <laughs> there two. There can man. always be a part two. Um, the real monster, Jason Tiller, um, on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, 10 count blog on Facebook and Twitter. Check out our podcast. We've got our entire library of past podcasts up. So names like Sam Knight, uh, Xander Kelly, um, Johnny Richards, Scotty Wolf. Um, you, you know, oh my you gosh. War Horse. You just talked War about Horse War Horse was on. Madman, uh, well, yeah, Madman Mad Pondo. Pondo. Yeah. Well, 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 I hesitated whether or not I wanted to say that one. Yeah, that's all right. Well, but, we can cover it up with Axe Allwork. Yeah, we Axe Allwork. Uh, Cash Borden <laughs> is on there. Actually, the Axe episode is... Married to the Pondo episode. <laughs> yes, but, yes, it yeah, is. So I was anyway, there for that one. Yeah, um, yeah, that was the night Aaron Brooks almost died. Um, yep. But anyway, um, but no, a lot of great episodes. And then we've got our other episodes, our, our other shows that were on the network as well. So like, we've got our Yeti out of nowhere. I just listened to the two and a half hour long shitty awards. Um, so <laughs> check that out. Um, I mean, if nothing else, just for the fun of it, because it was the Sugar Honey Iced Tea Awards, and we called them the shitties. Um, <laughs> That's but, amazing. But anyway, um, yeah, so there was Yeti out of nowhere. So the, the Tommy Cook and Alan Angel uh, WWE review show, it was, it was really good at this time. And then, um, you know, it, so the whole library is up just for a limited time until I get done with my run of podcast that I'm doing now. Um, and there's only going to be six or seven episodes. So, right. um, so, I mean, we're not doing a whole lot of them. But I, I did it because I wanted to showcase some of these new guys that are coming in. Right, right. And, uh, you know, help them get their name out there and do, do my part as a – uh, to pay it forward to the business. If there you go. That's so, a good, and that's a great way to look at it. Because yeah. there's some guys who aren't doing that, and you've got the platform. Exactly. You can do that. And, hey, why not give back and give them the new? Exactly. And that was that was my goal in, in doing a new run of episodes. So, uh, yeah, check us out on Facebook and Twitter at 10 Count Blog. That's the number 10, um, uh, 10 Count Blog. So, yep. um, And then... You know, I'm on Instagram at 10 Count Blog. We've got a YouTube channel. Uh, check us out at 10 Count Blog. Um, and then I know Burr. 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 Burr's the word, apparently. Burr, 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 burr. Yeah, anyway, uh, anyway uh, I know Bo plugged his merch store earlier. Uh, but if you if you got if, if this story has entertained you or inspired you or just tickled your fancy, check us out. It's, go buy some merch. We got 10 Count Blog merch. We've got Jason Tiller merch. 
Um, and that's all at uh, spreadshirt.com slash 10 count blog. If you search for 10 count blog on spreadshirt, I'm sure you'll find us. But um, that's that's the important part is just, you know, if, if uh, you like what you're hearing, go buy some merch. I would love to love to see a bump in sales. Hell yeah. Get, a, get that bump. <laughs> get that bump. So, yeah, so definitely for this podcast and everything, I appreciate it very much, Jason. I've learned a lot. Blaine's learned a lot. If he hasn't, well, he's been sitting there on his phone. And the sad I, thing is we've been friends for how long? Oh, my God. And I don't think we've ever sat down and had this conversation. No, I don't think we have. Yeah, five probably years of being 20, friends. 15, 15, 16? I think you were in 2016 was 16, when we started. 16, I believe so, yeah. So, so that, that's when we officially became friends. Hey, at least there's there not was. a lawnmower in this episode. Oh, thank Christ, man. But I'm telling you, you still owe me some damn candy and I some do. Reese's, you Some jerk. Reese's cups. You got into my van and I didn't give them to you. I so. did, but it is what it is, and I guarantee you that little sailor suit does not fit anymore. <laughs> so as Jason Tiller is part of the Midwest Monster Hunters, I know he's going to know this part. So just remember, if you found them, we'll pound them. <laughs>